Jason. Today's episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast is brought to the good people by Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Budget Blinds! Jason, our robot shade overlords are back at it again. They are. Look, we are we are coming up upon the holidays and I'm going to say this year, it's been hard to do good out in the world stuff. And Budget Blinds has been trying. They have. But and they can't resist it. They have to do some good stuff for Christmas time. So uh, in the last few years, Budget Blinds has teamed up with us here at Link to Lee Summit. We've hosted a, a special story night with Santa. Kids come. They listen to Santa tell stories. We've got pictures with Santa. Well, I'm sure you guessed. We're not doing that this year. You're not going Wait, why, we're going to cram a whole bunch of people <laughs> in the store and do that? Because COVID ruins everything. But those people over at Bunch of Blinds, they're pretty creative. So here's what we're doing. We've got a special live stream event with Santa planned for Thursday, December 17th. Santa's going to join us live from his North Pole office. And let's give let's give Santa some props for getting Zoom up there. That's pretty impressive to get the bandwidth all the way to the North Pole. Yeah, I, I wonder if he gets Google Fiber. And if he does, is he paying as cheap as we are? Uh, he probably has to pay a couple extra bucks. Maybe the Cana- couple- there's probably something with the Canadian thing that, that's going to mess it all up. So Santa's going to read some of his favorite holiday stories and he's going to answer some of your questions. So if you are watching along, you can type out some questions. We'll pass them to Santa and he's ready to answer all of them. And as always, our friends at Budget Blinds and Lee Summit, they wanted to uh, do a little extra good. So we're going to take donations during this live live stream event too. Donations for Lee Summit Social Services are encouraged during that stream. You can follow our Storytime with Santa event page on Facebook for more information as we get closer. Oh yeah, hey Jason, mm-hmm. you better make sure you're on the nice list if you're going to watch. You know, there, I reached a point at a certain age that I realized that the nice list is purely aspirational for me. So. <laughs> But we're going to try. I'm going to try to get on the nice list so so that I can get in and watch Storytime with Santa. Well, so thank you to our friends at Budget Blinds of Lee's Summit for making this live stream event happen on Thursday, December 17th. Make sure you are there to watch. And hey, if you're looking to do some stuff around the house, go see our friends at Budget Blinds. Tell them Jason next thing. Again, and welcome to Lee Summit Town Hall, a weekly podcast about what you can do to make a difference. I am Jason Norbury, and as always, I am joined by a man who is already on his holiday break. It is Nick Parker, the publisher so Link to Lee Summit. You were on your holiday break like Tuesday at like 8.45 in the morning. You were just, you were not going to take a part of that. That's true. I, I got up, I did a couple things, and then I, I just, I couldn't fight it anymore. I had like actual work I had to get done, but now that it's the Wednesday... I am, I'm out, man. I will, I will, I will pay just enough attention to work to make sure I don't get fired. And we're going from there. Now I will admit I I'm paying for it today. This is Wednesday. I'm paying for it today. I will do a little bit of, of makeup work today that I avoided yesterday, but yeah, I'm on holiday. It's break. I'm sending you, I'm sending you gloating texts from my workshop after this. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, so fair. link to Lee summit is the source for all the news you need about our very fine city and our unofficial sponsor today. It's the math. The you know, math. you like to, you always like to do a little foreshadowing there. It's a little Jason. foreshadowing in this now. So, well, look, it's either that or tacos. And I had tacos yesterday because I'm not going back to I'm not going back to my office in KCK for a little bit. Uh, and I wanted to make sure I, I left with an appropriately full belt. Well, if we're being honest, and you know, we always try to be honest and transparent with the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast. Our show's pretty much always unofficially sponsored by tacos. Our lives are our our lives are fueled by tacos. We are fueled by tacos. There's (laughs) there's our next T-shirt for the podcast. There we go. I should do that. Lisa at Town Hall, fueled by tacos. Stay tuned. That might be coming soon. All right. What's going on, Nick? Jason, just a couple of quick news and notes before we get to a special guest that we have uh, for our conversation this week. Uh, Just a little note: the Lisa. Parks and Rec Department, they're going to move their annual holiday luncheon that they do. Uh, they're going to move that to a drive through event. That's Thursday, December 17th. They're taking reservations through December 14th. Uh, you can do that at the Gamber Center or call 816-969-1580. This is just an annual luncheon they do. It's, it's kind of a cool deal. They like to meet up with, with some of their stakeholders and people around the community 
if you want to talk to them a little bit about what's going on in parks, it's just a chance for them to kind of connect with the community on a face-to-face basis. And are uh, you telling me that it too is affected by COVID? As everything is, Jason, it's affected uh. by COVID. Hey, here's a cool thing. If the weather participates during the drive through they're going to have a little special performance from members of the Kansas City Symphony. So that'll be uh, kind of cool. You get to drive cool. through, hear some great this. music, pick up some the- food. The symphony, the KC Symphony, and, and this is not to uh, this is not diminishing on any other local symphonies that they may or may not be listening, is doing a really cool thing this year in light of the pandemic that they can't perform at the Kauffman Center. They purchased themselves a mobile stage trailer and are setting up their stated goal is to do a performance in every zip code in the metropolitan area over the next year or so while they can't before they get back in and can go back into playing at the Kaufman. Um, and so I've had them around um, in my, my day job in the downtown KCK. They played a couple of different times in our, in our neighborhoods um, already. And I know that they played here in Lee summit already once. So it's a really cool thing. Um, if you catch one of these, do take an opportunity to go listen. Um, you should definitely, you should definitely do that. But that's awesome that they're they're going to come and do that while the uh, this drive through luncheon takes place. One other quick uh, quick note, Jason. We talk all the time on the show about reminding people to support their local businesses, shop local, eat local, do local. Um, big focus on that this Saturday. Saturday is Small Business Saturday, so this holiday season more than any other, Jason. Just shop local, folks. It is just tr- shop. Hey, look, and I will say this, and uh, I am as guilty as anyone here. In a time where you may not want to go out and like be in contact with other human beings in person, um, or where you don't feel safe doing it, I mean, we all kind of want to, but we all whether you don't feel safe doing it, it's real easy to get on one of the uh, lar- what what did you call that large river websites. Um, and uh and order things and have them brought by mysterious and faceless strangers to your doorstep on a on a regular basis but you can do a lot of that with the local folks right you, most if, of our local folks have websites too if you call them or you just call them and go hey i want to buy this thing but i don't want to have to like talk i don't want to see i can't get close to people they will work it for you right they may and they might even bring it to your house or or set it out for you or have a special arrangement, they will do that for you. You can have that same essentially touchless experience, but also support local business, which is super, super important at any time, but even more so now that these these are the businesses that are gonna be the, the, the first to struggle as we go through. And in that spirit, if Saturday doesn't work for you, but you want, or you wanna, you don't get enough shopping done on Small Business Saturday, the downtown Lee Summit District, they are kind of extending their efforts, their love local efforts throughout the next week. It's kind of, if you listen to our Friday uh, conversation with Julie Cook last week, which, by the way, that was Julie's return, Jason. Oh, yeah. Muscle Matt, baby. Uh, she talked about they're kind of doing it like a, a spirit week. Uh, so they're going to have a different theme every day throughout the week as kind of a way to, to, to drum up and keep attention and support for our local businesses in the downtown district. I will 100% supportive of Spirit Week. If we can get Seth Allen to wear a cheerleader outfit and do a little dance on TikTok, I'm, I will support that 100%. So Seth, Ooh. the call is out to you. Get on. Challenge made. Jason, the last thing I want to I want I, I want to talk about before we get to our interview, and just I just want to take a couple of minutes here, is is we are now into well I guess now on Wednesday the the we're we're, back thanks, out of, we're yes. Thanksgiving break, but on on Monday the R seven school district officially moved to virtual through the remainder of this year, and for grades pre K through three that's through January eleventh. It's going to go a little bit longer for grades four through 12, but I want to talk a little bit about the decision that, that the decisions that were made last week. Can and I, can, and be- just, can we just go with start here? Uh, yeah. Well, I think before, before we hit it, I think let's, let's all just, let's everybody take a deep breath and remember one thing. There are no good decisions. Nothing that they would have voted on and done would have been right and best for everyone, right? It's hard. That's just, that's just, it's someone's going to have, have a struggle with whichever decision. They right. Choose. And, the, so, and the balancing, the balancing that the, the administration and ultimately, apparently, eventually the school board 
does is they have to balance the needs of the students and, and all of the various different students, right? And, I mean, you right. hear them talk about when we talk about diversity and equity, it's, it's because we have this incredibly broad spectrum of humans that we're trying to teach. And, and they all have different needs and, and wants, and they come from different backgrounds and, and family situations and dynamics and all of that stuff. It's really hard to balance that plus the staff, plus the teachers, plus the administration, you know, they end up, you know, they have to think about, you know, feeding these kids because there's a significant percentage of them for whom the schools provide daily meals that they don't otherwise, wouldn't otherwise get. They got just so many things to put in the hopper and trying to come up with a decision that inevitably nobody's going to get everything they want and, and people are going to be left short in one form or another. I think it's important to remember that that piece, Jason, uh, as we move on. But what I want to talk about is this, Jason. Shockingly, I want to talk to you a little bit about process because process so does, does matter. And what we saw was last Tuesday a special session where the superintendent presented uh, data and numbers and then his recommendation, uh, his, his staff's recommendation the board decided to break that recommendation of moving all grades into virtual into three pieces into a secondary school piece, um, a four through six piece and a pre-K through three piece. Um, the two that took up space for grades four through 12, both passed relatively easy. They in a weird, weird, hard to watch twist of process, they voted to keep the pre-K through three in person and then jason and then a day later it was put on the agenda for the regular session the following thursday to revisit and recommend and vote on the recommendation to move pre-k to three to virtual after all this was confusing jason that's a, that's a and really the nice end result part. in the end result jason is it made it that much harder for parents and families of kids in those grade levels to make a quick adjustment. So first, Jason, just just what did you think as you as you as you watched this happen? I mean, the the motions, the discussions, the votes. It was it was all a little confusing. Okay, so let's start one. And we we hashed over the the initial vote on the Tuesday already on last week's show. But essentially, that that whole thing at the very end of it, specifically with the uh, with the with motion, withdrawal of a motion, sudden surprise motion, and then a vote with almost no further discussion was bad process. And unsurprisingly, it probably led to a bad result. Um, and then they had to um, backtrack on that. And so they came back, they put it on, they snuck it onto the agenda because right? notice there was no fanfare, there were no phone calls about it or anything else. I mean, we like literally had to read the agenda to find it. Um, and it had to burble out. And then as soon as, thankfully, local hyperlocal news sources found it and put it out there and got a lot more interest in the, the meeting going on there. Good job, Nick. Uh, and, and we had Good that. Good up. Yeah, well, you know, I, I figured I'd get a Christmas bonus this way, right? Um, and do that. And then, okay, so then we had more discussion. So I, I guess I'll put it this way. So the, the second recommendation, the further recommendation came out following was for the pre-K through three to go virtual from Monday, the 23rd through January 11th, which is shorter time frame than the upper grades are gonna be out. But with a meeting on the fourth uh, to review data, to decide whether to extend that time in virtual or to bring them back sooner rather than later. So even with all of that, right? There, the first motion that was up on Thursday was a motion to have them back in till the 25th or back virtual until the 25th. Which was the not the original recommendation. Which was not the original recommendation. So even, you know, I, I will say this, the two board members who were right in the first place to not want to keep them in school and to follow the superintendent's initial recommendation probably should have just followed the initial recommendation. So then that failed, I believe, four to three. And then they bring this motion to actually follow the now secondary recommendation the second recommendation of the superintendent or the administration and that passed six to one with only uh board hedrick. hedrick voting nay which seems strange to me but there we go so here's 
I, I have a couple of quick things. One is the stated, the purported reason that they wanted to, uh, that they, they re-pushed this is that the numbers were getting worse. They had additional data on the thing. And so here's, I'm going to call a little bit BS here. But the definition they showed is that the number of positives week on week from they, the, what they gave us the data, the Sunday through Wednesday data that they had was about a 50% or 25% increase. I'm sorry, about a 25% increase in cases from week to week. Well, the week before we had a hundred percent increase in cases and like, you know, I mean, on top of it was double and then double, right? It was a two weeks. In. And now we're only talking about a 25% increase. And this is the additional data that comes through. So what this very clearly signals to me is that there were, I will say a series of internal discussions and influences that came to board after the vote on Tuesday that made the board want to reconsider where they were going, whether those were uh, discussed as I, I, I'm going to, this is my euphemism of the week, Nick, are you ready for it? <laughs> discussions upon the nature of the working relationship between the administration and the board or whether it was pressure from various interest groups like parents and teachers and other people in the district or combinations thereof or maybe they I mean I've heard the theory floated that some of the board really didn't understand what they were voting on by the point at which they voted on it on Tuesday which is inexcusable but okay, that's not really any better, but that's another possible explanation that's out there. I have no evidence for any of these things. I have no idea what the confluence of those were, but it's pretty clear to me that the information that they put out in this is, is a very, uh, a, a, it's an attempt to cover their backsides uh, and, and get that going um, to give them cover to make this change, even though the data is actually that they voted against in the first place was worse than the data that they have now that they were talking about now. So I just wanted to put that out there. And I think that what this shows, and perhaps this is the lesson that we would hope the board would learn, is unless there's really, really, really strong reasons to vary from the administration's recommendations, the board should follow the recommendation of the administration. It, it's why they hire the superintendent in the first place. Yeah, I think that's that is the crux of what what we talked about a little bit last week, and what we've been talking about now, Jason, for a few years is can this body, can this board, in all of its various forms, by the all way, of, this is they, right, they people every single year. But it seems like the running theme for the last several years has been that this board cannot find a way to get on the same page with its superintendent. And that relationship is vital for the smooth running of a district. So can they learn to work with that superintendent to not overly micromanage recommendations and decisions of the superintendent? Can that become the team that it's supposed to be? And I think that's the thing to watch and a thing to really question and talk about because, hey, Jason, we're only a few months away from another election cycle. Absolutely. It will be and at least two seats open. And I will say this, or at least running for re-election. I apologize. As, as I open. can. I mean, right now, like literally, people are dying in the world on these decisions that we're making, like at the school board level. The school board is not, and and I could go into a forty-five minute rant about how, from Washington D.C. on down, the the people of Lee Summit have been failed in this pandemic. But that's not where we're going. The school board has, but the school board makes decisions that have direct impact on people's lives and survivability. The teachers, the staff, the kids, the kids' families, all their risks for getting this virus that can literally kill you is impacted by the decisions that this body, that the school board and the district makes. And it is important that these people are on the same page when they're doing these relative risk assessments and trying to figure out what the best option is. And that statement, Jason, is what's going to lead me to transition into our guest's conversation. Your frustration, Jason, that was evident there in that last statement, my frustration over all of the things going on, I think are just examples of frustrations that everybody's feeling right now. Stuff is hard. Oh, God, it's awful. And we're all trying to deal with school. We're trying to deal with our business lives. 
And now that tomorrow is Thanksgiving, it's the start of the holiday season. We're all having to make decisions about our holiday, our annual holiday gatherings. And Jason, as we have a few times before, when we feel bad, when we start to feel like this, we like to take a breath and think, I bet other people are too. So here's what we did. We called back our good friend, Carrie Gray, who is a licensed family therapist. And we asked her to just kind of listen to some of the frustrations that we had and maybe use that as a way to talk to everybody else in the community about getting through some of these tough times. Um, we, it's a little different than we've had. We've, we've had conversations with her before, but I think it's just, it's just a good time for us to learn and to talk a little bit about our perspectives. And to remind ourselves, honestly, look, Carrie has been giving us these free tools for, well, a year or more and various sundry things over time. And, and we just have to keep reminding ourselves of these tools every time we keep coming into another change, another shift, another disruption in what we're dealing with. It's good to have her on to help us remember, hey, here's the things, here's how to go through this, here's what you're feeling, it's perfectly normal and, you know, normal and, and you just need to address it. And one, and one last lesson, it's good just to talk it out, guys. Take a breath, talk it out, think about your expectations and your perspectives. And with that, We'll be back with Carrie Gray. We're here with Carrie Gray, licensed professional therapist or counselor. I don't know. We get always, it's like, and superstar of uh, the town, Lee Summit Town Hall podcast. Carrie, how are you today? Doing wonderful-ish. We, 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 uh, <laughs> we have taken what I'm going to return to as every excuse possible to have you back on the show to bring you farther up the leaderboard to uh, to help us continue to hashtag muzzle Matt and uh, and and deal with that. But I think I uh, feel like we at some point though we ought to respect her and remember her title. Yeah, I know, but look, Carrie. Yeah, well, because the way we is like Carrie Gray, our online therapist for ourselves, is how we think about Carrie, and that's so. Every time we feel like we need to feel better about what's going on in the world. We think maybe other people do too, and who better to help us all, not just Nick and I, although really that's what we're about, to, to help us. So, Carrie, it's, um, there's been some changes going on in our community, again, still, more, something mm-hmm. of that nature. Um, and we wanted to kind of, kind of sort of talk around, I think, a couple of the big things that are going on. And so we'll start with, um, read breath, everyone, school. Um, as, uh, as we are recording this, it is, uh, it is the Monday, we are recording this on the Monday that the R7 school district has shifted to entirely virtual, um, education for the remainder of 2020 and a little bit into 2021. Um, so we're back here again. Um, this is as echoes of, of March, uh, and April of and August of this year and <laughs> August and on and on and on. Um, what have we learned in the last eight months that helps people? Cause I, there was a huge amount of uproar and upset about, mm-hmm. you know, the way the board managed it, the timing of, especially of that second vote, you know, people are scrambling for daycare or like work adjustments and all those things. But what have we learned since March that might be of use now? So like maybe people have had a chance to breathe a little bit, but now like, what can, what can we think about going forward? Well, I think um, I like your question about what have we learned? We've been there before. Here we go again. And so, um, you know, how did we how did we make it through the last time around? You know, what are some healthy maybe even just like the mindset in terms of our expectations as far as what is this going to look like? And, you know, with uh, being at home with our kids again, what is a reasonable expectation? What are the priorities, you know, that we have where we can focus our attention there? And, um, you know, like any challenge in life, and this is definitely a unique challenge, um, you know, we've, we've got to pull on strengths. I talk a lot about resilience. And uh, resilience is something that we build during times of challenge, um, during difficult times. It's not something that we develop when things are going well. And so thinking about how do we adapt the last time around? What did we do well? You know, rather than focusing in on 
just getting caught up in how horrible everything is and letting our mind go down that rabbit hole, that's not something that's going to help us. I'm curious, the, the thing that struck me first there was that you used the word expectations. Okay. How, I guess, how important is it for us to, to I guess, I don't know, do you have to discover them or, or to set kind of the, those expectations of what this is going to be? I, I, rather than how do we deal with it, it seems like you're saying, okay, let's set expectations of what this, what we want out of this or what we think is going to, I guess, kind of delve into that a little bit more. I'm asking a horrible question, but I think you understand what I'm asking. <laughs> well, I think I do. I, you know, my, my answers are like your question right now. So yeah, I hope you what, do look, a lot of edit, will you? His question was unclear enough. You can answer any question. You want <laughs> so I can answer any question I want. I, I, I guess just okay. how, much does, how much does expectations to setting expectations play into how we deal with, well, any stressful situation, but this one in particular? Well, absolutely. You know, okay, so first, I'm going to, I'm going to back you up one just because Jason said I could. And that is, <laughs> he's not you the know, boss. <laughs> here we are, we're talking about another change, right? And change is difficult. Uh, change, we like doing things the way that we've always done them. We've got a routine, we know the routine. And now we're having to change again. And so what's even more difficult is that this change is being imposed on us. It's not like Nick decides that he wants to change his job. And so he's going through the process of discovering his strengths and what he really enjoys doing passions. But this is something that's been thrust upon everyone. You don't have a choice. So that makes it more difficult. And so we're put in the situation that we don't have a choice about. And now we can choose as Nick said, how are we going to respond to this? How are we going to think about this situation that we know is difficult for everyone? No one wants to be online learning, right? No one. And so how do we then, given the situation that we've been put in, adjust our expectation or our mindset to get through the next six to eight weeks or however long it takes uh, in order to get the green light to be able to safely go back into the schools. And part of that is really stepping back and having realistic expectations as what is this going to look like. Uh, an example would be like a parent who, uh, my, me and my girlfriends, uh, say, gosh, we're so lucky that we have kids who, you know, are in college or grad school or older kids that can self-monitor to some degree. And so you look at parents who have these little kids, a kindergartner, and it's just overwhelming. So, so pick your priority. You know, what is, what are their expectations as far as school and be realistic about what's going to get accomplished because, you know, the reality, and I, you know, I feel like I'm just repeating what we already know, you know, a kindergartner isn't meant to learn online. And this is, we're going to be doing some serious catch up with education uh, once everything settles here and we get back into the, you know, school zone, if you will. So let me, let me I'm going to put you on the spot here. You, you have school age, you have one left <laughs> school age child. What are, and I, high school, I believe, you know, what are, what are you, what are you looking at as you set expectations? Because look, we all know high school is a very social environment. We're used to, to, we remember how we were, we were, our kids are used to going and, and being a part of things and groups, whatever they are. You know, so, so when you and your family look at expectations and how you're going to handle it, what are, what are you guys doing? Well, I mean, thankfully in, in my situation, I have four girls and, and three of them are home now doing school. One's already out of the house. So socially, that's a godsend that Sammy, who is a freshman in high school, has a sister you know, as a senior in college and one in graduate school that are here and they get along relatively well. And so we've got some of that social impact within our, you know, within our own home. Um, otherwise, you know, Sammy gets on, uh, you know, it's not necessarily a Zoom call, but she gets on 
you know, phone calls, FaceTime, things like that with her friends at several times during the day. I mean, they'll even have, she'll even prop up the phone while she's doing homework with someone who's in the same class uh, so that they can talk through and, and do things, you know, if they're stuck on a question or just bored. So that helps. But here's the other thing. Sammy, they haven't canceled extracurricular activities. And I think that makes a, a huge difference because this morning, for example, she was up at 4.30, out the door for swim practice, and had already gotten to be with her teammates, get exercise in. And, you know, if we lost that activity, I think the Gray family would be in a different place. <laughs> we would just have to figure, you know, we're thankful for what we have and we capitalize on that. So what you're saying, the key for you guys is finding ways to get the children out of the house? Yes. <laughs> honestly, yes. honestly, yes. To I mean, to the extent possible and feasible, I suppose, you know, and obviously we all have our own different uh, comfort levels with all those. Sure. And swim practice, I know, is one where that seems to the risks of transmission mm -hmm. are lower. So, but yeah. I mean, you know, and I think you're going to see this is like some of the kids who are in basketball and wrestling were the ones I think the school board was mentioning are the ones that are already, some of those teams have already been quarantined. Uh, right. I it wouldn't be surprising if following on um, that those sports are, are deeply postponed or canceled or, or radically shifted in a way. So figuring out what those things are, online chats with friends, things of that nature, which I think are really important. I 100% I, I, I agree. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about... Um, this is going to sound weird, but I, <laughs> not, it's not weird, but I mean, it's like, I, I, and I don't mean this in the tone that it, it could be taken, but especially for the younger kids who are, who have been in school all semester and the ones that are, can get the least from virtual education, I guess is the way to put that. Should we should be as parents, as family members, I think I mean, you said adjusting expectations, and I mean, I think it's reducing expectations, right? I mm -hmm. mean, it's, it's that sort of thing. And, and coming to understand that, that it's going to be not as good and we can't, there's nothing we can do about that, right? We are just in this spot. Mm -hmm. How do you, um, you know, and, that, and there's that changed role as a parent now without having, I mean, kids aren't going to be online staring at their screens for seven hours a day. That's not the way that the virtual education will work. How does the parent, uh, the parent child relationship adjust and how do we, how do we account for that in this, at this point? Boy, you know, I think the best comparison, you know, that I can think of is summer vacation with some, uh, you know, when you're talking about the younger kids and what do we do during our summer time you know as far as activities but still staying focused to some degree on you know here's a part of the day where you're going to you know focus on the learning pieces and I you know what can you do to make it you know more fun I mean we do know that our uh, teachers are they've done this before so they've learned a lot you know over the spring months we're, we're in a much better place in terms of how they provide that virtual instruction but then as a parent i think it depends on your situation you know if you're one of those parents who has a flexible work schedule where you can step in and support the kid during their virtual learning you know, for a period of time to get through what needs to be done, you know, that's ideal. Um, I think a big key to this is just that flexibility and being able to reach out to the teachers and saying, you know, I know my kid, you know my kid, you know, what are the expectations here? What are the priorities here, right? And I spoke with, um, you know, some, uh, I have some clients that they live in the Park Hill School District and both mom and dad are, are working and uh, they did not have childcare for him when all this happened because they figured it would you know, be blown over. And so they ended up uh, finding a high school A plus student who needed credit hours, who they were comfortable having come into their home and work with their child for four hours a week. And so that's how they creatively responded to the situation. 
you know, some of it depends on the level of responsibility, organization, but no kindergartner is going to be all that organized and responsible. I mean, I mean I'll what let can you, know you do? I'll what let can you know you when I get to responsible and organized. I mean, I'm only 50 right. almost now, so, you know, it's fine. Yep. Yeah, use whatever resource you have, you know, in your environment in order to make it work. Well, you know, how do we, I guess, how much can that social interaction online, because you talked about how your daughter will even, you know, throw up a FaceTime conversation with a friend while they're working on a class just to be able to have a little connection or help each other or even just distraction when needed. You know, I I think the, the common reflexive thing is, yeah, but it's not the same. But can we can we do enough of that kind of interaction online to, to make up for it, to, to keep, I guess, to keep level heads and to keep, (laughs) to keep sane. Can we make it the same or even close enough to the same? Well, um, I don't know that it's obviously, like you said, it's not the same, which I agree with that, but finding ways to stay connected And obviously using the technology is one way in which we can do that. It does make a difference. You know, I can see it. There's been times where, uh, you know, Sammy's been in a classroom where all their faces are up and the teachers do a nice job of just having the kids talk about their day and things like that. And, you know, she's come out of her office, which is next door to mine, and just said, "Ah, I just met some new people you know, in my Spanish class or, you know, uh, just talking about some of the experiences that she's had that the teachers have created through instruction. And so I think it's the best that we have for now. And I th- I've got to think it makes some some type of difference uh, to, to be connected in this way. I'm going to put Jason on the spot here for, for a second. Um, oh, no. Because most of the time, look, I, I – as we know, as everybody who listens knows, I'm married to a public t- education teacher. Um, I'm a big supporter of public schools. Usually I make fun of Jason and his family's choice to, to homeschool their children, and mainly just because I like to be mean to my friends. But Jason, we've now moved to a part where like, you know, everybody kind of teases you a little bit or you're the outlier, right? And now I think people go to you and like, how do we do this? Mm-hmm. So, so I guess, you know, with homeschools, you've had to create different ways to to bring that kind of interaction in I know I know there are some homeschool groups your wife is part of that that you where you mix your kids and you do things does your family kind of have suggestions or maybe ideas that that you're passing on to others now who are like oh crap my kids are online what am I doing uh yeah to a point um I mean and I I will be clear I I take no credit for the quality of my children's homeschool education it is almost 100% my wife and she deserves uh, to be uh, sainted uh, for what she does on a day-to-day basis and has for the last decade. But um, she has uh, her number one rule. And I think this is one, and Carrie will, I I guarantee Carrie will will jump on this, is that the most important thing when you are dealing with home education, whether it's, you know, with the virtual piece and all of that is the relationship with your child mm-hmm. is the very most important thing to maintain and, and be healthy, right? The kid's going to learn, your child will learn enough math to do the things that they need to do that they're interested in, in the world, but you will have a relationship with your child for the rest of your life. And you don't want to trash that to teach them Pythagorean theorem, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's just the way that goes. So that's the first thing that she emphasizes and she has talked to you know, dozens of her friends who are, are trying to figure out how to make this work um, in, in that process is just maintain that relationship. And it is the number one most important thing. I think the second is, is the social stuff really will, will take care of itself in a lot of ways. The kids will figure out ways to hang out, right? Whether, you know, I mean, my family plays a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, you know, we've gone from virtual to outside with masks on to outside without masks on now back to virtual um, gaming and they it's that time that they will spend and it's not letting the perfect be the enemy of the good that you know two hours on a zoom call or a 
a video a voice call playing dungeons and dragons is not as much fun as two hours doing it in person Mm -hmm. but it is way way better than nothing and and so you know both with education and with social time um that i mean and our our thing is just you plan the kids get a lot of activities anyway i mean i you could argue that most of our public school kids especially the ones that have team stuff and extracurricular activities may have an overabundance i mean not like too much social time but like they have way more than they actually like that they need because they're at school all day and then they have those and my kids just do their social stuff you know scouts and church and D D with friends and theater and whatever the same stuff everybody else is doing on the evenings and the weekends um, my kids do that and that's plenty um for for them for the most part so it's that's where that we fall on it and we've had a lot of you know our our routine has been shifted perhaps the least of anyone right on this phone call anyway um in terms of education because we were already doing this stuff um now my son is old enough now as a he's a senior age in high school he's most of his stuff is actually longview classes so his those have been disrupted but he's at home schooling like he's been doing for a decade so eh, whatever um but yeah no it's it's to me the the number one most important lesson is just you know, it's not going to be the same. Your education is not going to be the same in this virtual environment as it was with the kids in school. Your role in the process is going to be different than it was before. But the most important thing is to main, build and maintain a really good relationship with your kids. And, you know, I'm not like to throw anyone else under the bus, but honestly, if that means that you just blow off their grades for a semester or two, because it's like they can only do so much, okay that's we can recover from that later mm-hmm. but you don't want to do damage to your to the real relationships that matter i want to i want to stick a pin there because i want to come back to carry it to you on and your, your your thoughts on what he just said about the relationship with 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 your kids uh, first i i want to i just want to do one last thing i think about the 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 online and the social and the virtual i think it's important to note that that probably they have a different relationship than we do with the the technology aspect of of being together i'm going to use an example of my son his best friend we used to always tease him that they would rather kind of play online with each other sometimes than even be together and they will have a facetime going on a on a mobile device and then a game's up together on their on their computer screens and that's what they do that's normal for them. And I think, I think we get sometimes bogged down because we equate so much of this technology with work that it's, it's things we have to do because it's work. And, and so it, it's not fun and it's not social. So I think sometimes we have to remember that their perspective on things is going to be a little bit different. Oh, exactly. They're doing, you know, they're doing uh, entertainment you know, through technology, they're getting those needs met, like their connections are being met. Um, You know, when they're playing their games, they'll have the mic on so they can hear their opponent, you know, talking. And so it is a different experience. And I think that's a really good point, because um, it's important to check in with your kids about how they're feeling about being online, what are their biggest challenges in that, because it's likely going to be a little bit different than you, what you might think are the challenges from a parent. Oh, oh, man. Carrie, it's all right. Well, it's okay. okay. <laughs> it's okay. Well, let's, we'll, let's, we'll, let's, we'll, we'll claim, uh, we'll blame COVID for this too. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll, we will blame COVID on screen with our technology and connection on this, but I want to shift back to the thing that Jason brought up because I'm really curious what your res- response and reaction is where Jason said, you know, that his wife is always focused on the most important thing about that relationship of school and home is, is the relationship between your parent, the parent and their, their, their child more important than the, as he put it, the Pythagorean theorem, which Jason, I barely remember that. Well, you're not a math weird level like me. So well, that's no, that's, tr- that's true. But what do you, what do you think on that? Well, I, I totally agree with, with what Jason's saying, you know, the relations paramount that's, you know, that's the critical piece there. And 
we don't want the frustration with learning to rub off on the relationship between parent and child, because that also can create problems with learning down the road. But, you know, when you think about people in life and success, um, a lot of the most successful people in life are really good at relationships. They've got wonderful people skills. And so, you know, using this time, um, even from a bigger, you know, picture outside of the immediate family as teaching those relationship skills, making that a priority. How do you work through difficult situations um, and mentoring your kids through these uh you know, challenging times is critical. And that um, I think I've said before, the bottom line is, you know, at some point, if you need a nursing home, you want your kids to pick a good one for you. <laughs> and so there's Amen. that. Amen. And you're right. You know, um, the kids are going to get caught up. You know, this feels like forever right now. But the reality is, as we look at where we're going to focus our energy, um, you know, and, and when I said, you know, establish realistic expectations, what are your priorities for learning right now? I think looking at all of that with the, the context or the lenses of the relationship and the process is critical. That's the, that I totally agree with Jason's uh, assessment of that, but mostly his wife's. No, no, let's be clear. <laughs> Once again, like if in a just world, she would be the by far the most famous and like well-known mm -hmm. person in, in, in a community in my family, I promise. Um, she is far mm -hmm. more talented, better looking, and other than her extremely poor taste in men, she's she's doing, uh, she's she's great. All right, so I want to take this, this family dynamic thing and shift it a little bit because it's Thanksgiving. And mm -hmm. I know despite all the CDC warnings, there are many people who are, who are going to be seeing family, but there are going to be a lot of people who aren't um, seeing family or the parts, parts of their family that they, they do. So there's going to be a lot of, I think, increased isolation um, mm -hmm. as we go through that. So as we're coming into this holiday season, which is always difficult for a lot of people anyway, how, how do we how do we address that, some of the, the family distance, the, the isolation, and those sorts of things through this? This is going to be a unique holiday season um, because everybody is trying to avoid having COVID as one of their guests at their dinner table. So what, what, can, you, what can you give us for that? Well, I'll give you one, you know, like a personal example. Right now, my stepfather is in like a physical rehabilitation uh, place in Florida. And he can't have any visitors. My mom can't see him. You know, we can communicate with him over the phone, etc. So what we did was we purchased a, uh, what is it called? Nick, you use one to take notes whenever we're doing our meetings with our kids, the iPad. Oh, right, right. Right. And then we had the staff there work with him to know how to use it so that we could FaceTime call and stay connected with him. So we could walk that around, you know, we could walk our iPads around the house and show them different things and just, you know, have that connection. So I feel like we're almost communicating more now than perhaps we did in the past because we're being a lot more intentional, intentional about making those connections. But I, I know that, you know, a lot of families, as Jason said, are not able to celebrate the holidays in the ways in which we've done that in the past. And so, you know, I think a lot of it is just looking at what your family is comfortable with and making decisions for each family based on that. For example, I have some friends who they have a like a three car garage. They've cleaned out their garage. They've decorated their garage for the holidays. They're going to set up social distancing and they have a way of what they feel like is doing it safe great. You know, that works great for your situations. Um, others are doing similar to what Nick, you talked about earlier about uh, just preparing food, preparing big plates of food or, you know, and dropping it off. If you live in close proximity to your relatives, you know, going ahead and doing it that way. Um, by the way, just, Nick, I, I feel like yeah. I'm family and you should drop some food off at mine. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Some of that smoked well, turkey, probably, please. 
Carrie's probably earned it for all the free therapy she's given me. That's true. She there you go. A whole, she deserves a whole meal for the fam, really. Well, and, and I, you know, I feel like I'm lucky enough that most of the vast majority of our family is 15 minutes away. Right. And so that's something that we chose to do. And, the, and there are various reasons why you know some are more isolated than others right now but yeah so that was that was kind of our choice was what can we do we can't fit the 30 people around a few tables like we usually do but you know i can make a bunch of turkey and i can carve it up and and, and deliver it to their porches and put some meat on their on their tables i love your attitude i love that how can i help what can i do look, right look, what can i do given it this took situation? a while to That's get great. to a good attitude <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I that think feels better. <laughs> it, it does. And I think, but I think that's an important question is, is, is how do we, what are healthy ways to work around to that? Because, and I'm, I'm a natural cynic. So whenever I hear people, you know, just say, you know, turn your smile upside down, get rid of the bad self-talk and always think positive that, that falls on my deaf ears, but there is a process right? There is a process to getting to that point where you can make a positive mindset. How, how do we do, I know how we get there, but I don't know. I don't know that for me, it's healthy. I just get there sometimes. I yeah, I'm not sure that whiskey and cookies is the way to get there. That's why I said healthy coping earlier in this interview. And he, I saw the smirk on Jason's face when I said that. Well, like, like, you know. That's, that's, so, no, I'm not sure it. that's therapy advice I'm going to follow right away, but we'll see. Right. We're going to try. We're gonna yeah, try. I mean, what are yeah. some healthy processes to, to, to get to that? And look, I don't, whether we're talking about the schools going back to online, we're talking about dealing with families that we aren't going to get to hang out with on Thanksgiving, on Christmas, Christmas Eve, whatever in between. What are some processes that we can kind of maybe use to take a breath and reset our perspectives and our expectations? Because mm -hmm. look, we said this back in March, and we're still saying it in November. This stuff is hard. Yes. And I think that's the first step right now, right there, is just accepting whatever it is that you're feeling about the situation, whether you're, you know, you're angry, you're sad, you're, you're lonely, you're frustrated, but not letting those feelings overwhelm you, right? I, it's important to acknowledge, yeah, this is hard, this sucks. And, you know, maybe you schedule a time to be just angry or whatever you're feeling towards COVID and life circumstances for, you know, 10 minutes a day, right? Schedule you know, just I'm, I'm going to have a fit. I'm going to vent. I'm angry. I just need to get this all out. Maybe you journal, maybe you call a friend you trust or talk to a family pet. I don't know, but just to acknowledge that it's there and that's important, but then to think about, well, you know, given this situation, I have a choice in how I'm going to respond. So think of, you know, one uh, person that I've researched quite a bit in terms of mindset is Viktor Frankl, who is a neurologist who survived many concentration camps. I mean, think about worst possible scenario to be living in. And he was able to find something to be thankful for, even in the most outrageously awful situation. It was his mindset where he was able to train himself when he caught himself, you know, getting into a place of what we often refer to as diving down that rabbit hole, you know, where it's natural for our brain, especially because of all the stress that we've been under uh, experiencing to start viewing everything negatively. You know, we start viewing people in a negative way, you know, interactions, our own family, our just our world, right? And so that starts tying into what we can get into as just one example of catastrophic thinking, you know, well, this is never going to end. Well, you know, it kind of feels that way right now. And we can acknowledge that. Yeah, it sure does feel like it's never going to end. And I'm exhausted. I can't think straight. I don't like doing my job the way I'm doing it. I want to be in front of people with people. But this will end. And so what can I do about that? Well, today, here's what I'm going to do. 
And I recommend that people rise each day thinking about what's one thing that I'm thankful for? What's one thing that I'm grateful for? And to end the day and to consider the day, no matter how difficult the day has been, what's one thing that went really well today? Or, you know, maybe it was a quick interaction with your teenager, or maybe you did a recipe or, you know, just somebody smiled at you when you were running an errand. You know, to be able to train your brain to focus your attention on the positive things, even in a horrible situation, is something that we can learn to do. And that's, that's uh, we can create those, those uh, new neuro pathways that adapt and, and spotlight our attention on the positive. We can also focus on, you know, you kind of said it, Nick, earlier when you were thinking about, okay, what can I do? We can't get together as a family this Thanksgiving, but I've got a smoker and, you know, I know where to get turkey and I'm going to smoke a turkey and I'm going to deliver it. So how can I help? You know, instead of thinking about how bad everything is for me and all the things that I'm missing and how terrible the world is right now, what can I do to make a difference in someone else's life in a positive way? Who could I reach out to? What's a small act of giving back that I can do? Because there's certainly people who have a situation that's much worse than mine. And I think if we focus our attention more on, you know, helping others and, you know, being a positive force in other people's lives, that it will help us to, it, there's a reciprocal relationship there, you know, that is it better to give or to receive? And sure, it's fun to receive, but it's also wonderful to give. And they've even done studies on that where they, they gave, uh, you know, a group of people each $20 and said, you can do whatever you want with this $20. You can, you know, go buy something for yourself that you've been wanting or whatever, or you could give it to someone else. And the folks who gave it to someone else uh, had much higher levels of satisfaction than those who kept that to themselves. So maybe that's our new tradition. That's a way of getting through it. You all be happier just that's exactly the wrong well, lesson to take. So Jason's got to go fund me now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just, I mean, I mean, I, I, I like that. And I think a, a conversation this particular week is good because you just talked about, you know, the two parts of the word, right? You talked about giving thanks and you and talked giving. about giving. Um, and I think it's important. Maybe, maybe this time of year is when that message can really, really sink in. Um, and, and just for the podcast listeners audience, the most famous uh, Victor Frankl book is Man's Search for Meaning, yes. uh, which he wrote right after getting out of the concentration camps. Um, and mm -hmm. it is the most uplifting book about being in a concentration camp. I think you could possibly imagine having, I have read it as well. So, uh, mm -hmm. but there we are. It's excellent. I, I, I'm still floored by uplifting book having <laughs> gone through the concentration camps. Um, I'm going to deal with that line for a while. Okay, go ahead. Well, I mean, but it goes, it goes to exactly what Carrie was saying is like, mm -hmm. like you pick the thing out of your day or you pick the bit in your life that is positive and you good and you, you spend your mental energy there instead of, mm -hmm. instead of on the, all the awfulness that surrounds you, much of which is out of your control. Um, right. and, uh, and that's, that's where that comes into. So it is, I'm yes, uplifting book about the Holocaust is not what you would expect to hear, but that's the, the, the message that comes out of that is, is that, and it's, uh, and you know, I'm not going to say we're going to have a book club on it, but you know, it is, a if someone's looking for something unique and interesting to read by a person who had a law, a much broader influence on the way mm -hmm. we think about our minds and what have you than just this one book over the course of his life, but this is a, uh, a really, a really useful distillation of that. So, yeah. When you were talking, Carrie, I, I, in my head, I was going back to, I, th I think it was the last time that you were on. Um, and we were talking about, it was, it was August. It was, we were talking about the schools and going back and Jason was talking about social media and the doom scroll. And that's, that's really, that was what was clicking in my head was because you were talking about how easy it is to get into that negative mm -hmm. kind of pit that you just keep digging and digging and digging. And I remember Jason talking about, you know, his concerted efforts to not get into the social media scroll because he just does that doom and it's all anger and, 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 you know, insta reaction to whatever. 
Oh, and it's um, been it's been such an uneventful month outside of COVID. I can't imagine why anybody <laughs> <can do> it. <laughs> right. And, and I was just I was just struck though that that was how similar that is to not just thinking, but sometimes even our actions where we get into these places mm-hmm. like a Facebook, like a Twitter that's just so easy for for us to only see everybody's negative reactions to every little thing and and, it, and it's hard to physically stop your thumb scrolling to stop your brain from from reacting that way it is and you know with regards to i've got two points with that so my first point is that you know as you're scrolling through social media or the news or whatever it is that you're doing a good question to ask yourself is how is this making me feel you know, if I'm feeling more anxious and upset as I'm doing this, then I need to choose to do something differently. But the other thing is, you know, when we go back to Viktor Frankl again, so he talks a lot about creating space between a stimulus, something that happens in your environment and how you respond. And so being able to hit that pause button before you say or do something that's going to hurt your, you know, your reputation, your life, your social media, things that you cannot take back, you know, is this how I want to be portrayed? You know, do we, knowing that we are not living our best selves or being our best selves right now, when a person acts a certain way, can we cause and think, okay, you know, what might be going on in this person's life in which they're behaving that way instead of jumping on, you know, the bandwagon, if you will, with the negative comments and, and, and whatnot. Um, we need to stop and think before we respond, whether that's in person or online. There we go. That's, I, yeah, I got nothing to add to that. You're no, right. I think, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> that is the perfect way to wrap up our, our conversation. Thank you okay. again and again and again and again for coming on and uh, helping, I know both Nick and I, but I think also uh, our community through extraordinarily tumultuous and, and frustrating times. Um, we, do, we do appreciate you taking time out to do that. Well, thank you. I really appreciate the oppor- opportunity to be here and to share. Thank you, Carrie. I appreciate it. Right. That'll wrap us up this time. We'll talk to everybody next time.